What's up, everybody? And welcome back to the Outfielder Podcast, episode 53, brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, a.k.a. Founder Numero Uno, and I am joined by my co-host, who is currently down in the on-deck circle. Let's see what's going on with him. Ladies and gentlemen, now batting cleanup for the Outfielder Podcast, number three, the great Sam Bino. Good evening, Sam. Hey, how are you? Good, man. Glad to be back. It's been like a week and some change. Yeah, God. You know, without baseball in my life, it feels as though time is passing so much slower. I, I hear you, man. Except for the fact that I've pretty much like been out running around screaming in the streets since my team won the World Series. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, well earned. I don't think any any collection of players could have done any better than that. No, I don't think so either, man. It was It was the prime example of what major league teams are are trying to do now as far as growth goes grow your core then bring in the big guns to back things up later on get your david price your chris sale your jd martinez you know that's when you spend money and then use the core and go on i mean they weren't even uh there was no team that was even close to as good as they were yeah when we talk about the core we're really talking about the outfield right yeah i mean yeah the infield too though jackie bradley yeah i guess devers too yeah i mean devers Xander Bogarts as well. Xander, yeah, for sure. Guess who we're definitely not talking about? Old Man Pedroia. Exactly. He's going to be back. He's actually going to be back next year. He's not going to be any good. He's going to be a detriment to the team, and you're not going to win again ever. Well, I would say that, so a couple things there. Number one, it can't be that much worse than Ian Kinsler because his defense (laughs) was suspect. His defense was terrible throughout the World Series. Yeah, Um, Pedroia will, will just stand on the bag instead of trying to steal everything and fuck it all up correct ian kinsler is the type of guy that loses you a game that ends up ultimately going to 18 innings so he's that guy we'll get to that in a few minutes though but yeah man it was uh it was cool i'm glad that it's uh, like in a way it just it's crazy for content around here because it's like weird times recording i had a damn blast doing the uh watch party episodes though that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I got a little drunk, and we talked about all kinds of shit. We all did. We all we talked so little baseball. I'm so, I'm glad. I'm sure that our uh, core baseball fans are going to be glad that we're back to talking a little bit of baseball now. That'll be good. I can't pass up a good opportunity to just shoot the shit with a, a cool group of guys. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, man. So I got back from Vegas this afternoon. Tell me more. Where'd you stay? How was yeah, it? Yeah. So Vegas was good. We stayed at the Flamingo this time. Um, we were going for a friend of ours' birthday. And so uh, we were trying to keep the cost down for everybody a little bit. So we stayed at the Flamingo, which was nice. You and I have stayed there before. It is sufficient in every way. If you're spending a lot of time at the hotel, then you're doing something wrong. Correct. And that's how I always look at it, too. So it's ma- it's more of just being in a general sensible location that's primed to get there from or to get anywhere, really. And so that's like kind of red dead center in the middle of the strip. One thing that I did while I was there that's a tradition whenever you and I go to Vegas is I visited the sock store. Ah, excellent. How'd it go? Oh, man. Well, I got uh, a couple pairs. I got a pair that has peanut butter and jelly sandwiches all over it. Perfect. Yep. Uh, I got a pair of Abe Lincoln socks. So they've got Abe Lincoln hats and things. I think you have something similar, right? I have, yeah. I've got a a pair of socks with an emblem of Abe Lincoln and top hats all over it. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Great. And uh, and then uh, some socks with a bunch of fruit all over them. So, you know, variety of sock wardrobe. I like that you say that you had to go there, although like like as though it was obligatory and you didn't really have an option or Well, I didn't. That's it's, wonderful. It's what we do. <laughs> Should I tell the story about uh when we went last time and I talked to Jimmy about getting some socks? 
Yes. I don't know that I know this story. So when you and I went the first time, we won like a ridiculous amount of money. At right. the time, at the time that was a ridiculous amount. Correct. I think yes. I walked away with like plus seven hundred and fifty dollars or something, and we're drunk and we're walking through the Bellagio. There's this sock shop. <laughs> and I text James from Middletown and go, Jimmy, I'm at a sock shop. I just want a bunch of money. What do you want? He goes, Get me something historic. Okay. And I'm like, okay, great. So in my drunk mind, I'm thinking, all right, something old, something potentially factual in origin. Sure. But what I ended up with was a picture, a sock with a picture of Sherlock Holmes on it, which is not historical <laughs> at all. It's a type of history, I think. But I bring it to him, and I, I, I at least have this story to back it up. Yeah. But, um, he was like, yeah, definitely not, not what he was thinking. Not what you... <laughs> not the direction he was headed towards huh no that's all right that's all right i don't think that he can complain he got a free pair of socks with a picture on them yeah but yeah so that place is uh still rocking and rolling i'm sure that we keep it in business whenever we're there i'll tell you we we visited a delicious tapas place it's not it wasn't as good as the iberian pig that we did in atlanta and it definitely didn't have the show that we saw with the motorhome getting stuck but fantastic it was a place called beauty and essex that's at the uh cosmopolitan on the strip, mm-hmm. and the food was really out of this world. There was nothing that we had that was bad, and there were like eight of us, and, or seven of us, and so we just split like nine things. That's awesome. Fantastic uh, eatery. I've been led to believe that Las Vegas is almost always, well, not almost always, has uh, very recently upped its food game in terms of like deliveries. Like there's special planes that carry yeah. like fresher ingredients or something, Interesting. and you can get like some of the best sushi in the world in Las Vegas, it's kind of like, that doesn't make any sense. How's that possible? Yeah, I mean, some of the best seafood that I've ever eaten was actually at a Mastro's in Scottsdale. So, I mean, same kind of thing. Weird. But, uh, yeah, man, solid tapas place. The one thing that you suggested that we didn't get a chance to make was Hattie B's. But we'll do that when I come to Atlanta. Oh, I I forgot there was one in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely do that when you come to Atlanta. We were going to go today, and then we just kind of didn't. Oh, that's a shame. So good. That we went is. to Home Depot and you know just got right into house chores. <laughs> Gotta love a Sunday, right? It was good. Yeah. The one thing that I definitely am glad that I did the straight flight back to Vegas. There's no stops there. You can't As do stops. To the like what stop in Denver or something. There was a time where we stopped in Albuquerque. Long story short, I was so miserably hungover on the way to Albuquerque before heading to Dallas. And we had like a three hour layover in Albuquerque. The sun was setting and some like gate agent got on the speaker and started talking about how lovely the sun is and the, how Albuquerque is known for their sunsets, which is I'm sure extremely valid. However, that was not the time or place for me to be hearing about that. Did you take off your shoes and throw your shoes at him? Uh, I'm nearly did. Unfortunately, it's a missed opportunity on that one, but next time. Win at Albuquerque next time. I'll, I'll figure it out. Man, I don't think there's any amount of money I wouldn't spend to miss that layover and just fly right over it. Yeah, well, back when I had to do that, times were, were different. But yeah, man, so it was a good time. Vegas is always a, a blast, it feels like. We also went and saw the Beatles Cirque du Soleil show, Love, which was incredible. I've seen it before, but it was fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you stop at the place next to the Shake Shack that serves uh, terrible ribs and gets people sick? No, I did not. That happened to one of our buddies last time is he got incredibly sick off of one of those places. But that place is still there. But you know what? That's what he gets for getting ribs at a strange organization. I agree. Just go for Shake Shack. 
Indeed. But yeah, man, I was disappointed that I'd missed uh, World Series baseball out there by like a week. That would have been quite an environment. Although sitting down, that would feel a little bit wasted, right? If you're making a trip and then you're just sitting in the sports book watching the game. Yeah, but the worst, I mean, just the environment of watching it together is always good. I mean, you can always go to a bar, but it's hard to find that whenever your team is not like you live somewhere where that's not where your team is from. It's a fair point. It would be an electric environment overall. We were there. So this pat this weekend was the Breeders' Cup for horse racing, which okay. I'm not a big horse racing guy, but the atmosphere for that was absolutely electric when those races were going on. I bet that's crazy. Yeah, there's there's too much um, money exchanging hands for In, one of those. Indeed, and plus you're so close to to L.A. too from there that I figured you'd probably see a lot of Dodgers fans and stuff like that out there. I'd imagine. So. Oh yeah, good point. Well, sad Dodgers fans. Indeed, I was happy. <laughs> I was glad it worked out the way it did. Yeah. <laughs> And man, like when you go back and look at the whole series, I mean, the numbers are just aside from, I think Boston only lost three games in the playoffs. That's Unbelievable. insane. Absolutely insane. Just rolled all through it. And I don't even mean that as like a braggy way. It's just, I mean, they were exponentially better though. I, it's good to see that the best team in baseball through the regular season can hold it out through the postseason and win the whole thing. It's not that common. No, it's really not. And, you know, we'll talk about David Price and stuff like that here in a couple of minutes, but yeah, it was good to see him get some redemption, too, because he's caught a lot of shit. A lot of people think that he's been terrible in Boston, and he really has not been that bad. I was going to use redemption or as a as an ironic term just then. Correct. Seriously, which I love. Redemption in a in a sense of against the Boston media more than anything. God, what? We're, yeah, we'll have to do a deep dive on why that's such a shitty situation. I think it's multifaceted. I think one is kind of the old guard and just what it used to be like for so long, and you didn't have, like... I cannot listen to any of those guys and know exactly what's going on with the Red Sox because I follow it so closely. But 10 years ago, we didn't really have that option without technology. And so I think what they say means less and less as time goes on, and it affects the team less and less. But I think for a long time, I mean, they were just always looking to call that guy, whichever guy it is, a bum. Usually a black guy. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, a lot of times. It's frustrating to watch because, you know, those are teams that were flawed in different ways but I, I don't know i guess the other side of that is we understand the game different now than we did a long time ago too yeah and you know we is a collective term for probably sensibly loud family but true sports writers are not always a part of the analytics crew that understands what's going on so right well and it's also the story aspect right i mean who doesn't want a good story and i think that's important to realize whenever you look at the scope of that media as well because they're just looking for the story and that's all they're doing and and then delivering it in the most asshole way that they can <laughs> and i mean that that's not shocking but that's just kind of how that region digests news and media and you know they kind of feed on that that's the general mood a lot i guess so yeah anyway there's a lot to that but it, i think it's definitely calmed down i just don't listen to them interesting but it's that's easier to do now than it used to be so <laughs> anyway all right well let's see who's sponsoring the pod Have you been looking for a good old-fashioned dive bar? Are you tired of not getting enough preservatives in your canned fish? Well, our sponsor is the exact place for you. That's right, I'm talking about Starlin Castro's Lastro Gastro Pub and Cannery. Come on down to Starlin's today for a fresh glass of suds while you wait for a fresh case of canned sushi. You won't believe your taste buds when you try one of their delicious burgers and wash it down with a cold beer and a can of salmon. Need some tuna fish? Don't buy from the big guys. Their tuna is mass-produced and loses all signs of flavor and texture upon production. 
Starlin Castro's Lastro Gastro Pub and Cannery uses all the finest ingredients that you can't find anywhere outside of Miami, Florida. Located right off of Loop 17, six miles from the all-night gas-and-go, head on down to Starlin <laughs> Castro's Lastro Gastro Pub and Cannery today. Back to you, Ben. Or Sam. Doesn't matter. Oh. <laughs> the all-night gas-and-go. That's where I want to get the best uh, gastro pub and, and can cannery seafood. Also, only outside of Miami. Seem very specific. I just read what they tell me to read, man. Yeah. You know. And I'm glad they they must be doing very well if they can afford to sponsor us twice. Indeed. We have very there's a reason no one's heard of these places. It's because they're very high end. Nobody understands what they do except for us. No, seek out the best minds. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> Let's talk pieces of shit. This is Paul Ramham from WBAT in Cincinnati. We interrupt this regular schedule of programming to bring you this breaking news bulletin. It appears that people have been called pieces of shit from around the globe. Baseball players in particular seem to be the main target. However, no person, concept, or universe is exempt from this cruel but very usual punishment. The perpetrator has been identified as the great Sambino. Police have confirmed that he is still at large and about to take his piece of shit corner. Ding, ding, ding. Huge piece of shit. Great. This is largely going to be playoff specific. Love I'd it. like to yeah, I'd like to start by calling out someone who we've called out at least twice before. That's Angel Hernandez. Love Justin, it. Justin, how many calls did he miss in the playoffs? Well, there was that one game where he missed three or three of four of those calls were overturned. And Not great. To be fair, I think I want to say the next night he framed the strike zone okay when he was behind home plate. That was game five, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure that was yeah. the very last game because that was an elimination right. game. Largely a terrible, terrible umpire. I think he managed to sue the MLB again after that game because so many people were talking so much shit that he decided to sue his employer for, like, defamation or something. It's like, no, dude, you did a bad job. Yeah, like, just be better at your job and quit suing people. Unbelievable. Dude, yeah, I 100% agree with that. He was, like, the, the, I would say, the playoffs slash World Series piece of shit, if I've ever heard it. Definitely an MVP in pieces of shit, I think. Indeed. Between him and Joe West. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that Astros home run call. I think I think Mookie would have caught that ball. Okay, so do you think that it was better for him to call it? So he the original call was that it was fan interference. Yes. And out. So do you think that it was better for him to call it out and overturn it or the other way around where you call it safe and try to overturn it that way if you have to? I think he would not have gotten that call if he if it was the other way around. That's what I think, too. That's, because it was wrong. Yeah, no, it definitely was wrong. <laughs> but, I mean, also, you should do a better job of not having your security guards leaning over the rail so you can see the actual ball yeah, and video you know, they, They're not running drills up there or anything. They just put on the vest and go about their business. <laughs> sure, but don't you go berating the security guard business. <laughs> Yeah, sure. I'm sure maybe he got a demerit or something. Yeah, but I'm just saying that that those things don't help that whole situation. And yeah, this is about Angel, not about Joe. Agreed. But I I do agree with you that I'm not sure he would have gotten that call. But aside from that, I thought Joe West called everything pretty fair the whole playoffs. I think Angel Hernandez is the one that should be ashamed of himself. He should absolutely be ashamed of himself, not only for missing the calls. He should own the mistakes and then not sue people for Feeling bad after people call him out, like, go to hell, dude. Yeah, so. dude, exactly. Don't get your feelings hurt, pal. Real piece of shit. Well, and the other thing is he's been doing this for long enough to know how this goes. Like, that's how it, that's that's what happens. I hope he never calls another playoff game. 
it's the World Series where it's like the they look at the amount of calls that you've gotten right and everything, but it's not the actual playoffs, right? I think that's right. It should be the other way around. That I, they look at all the playoff games should be be reviewed by people that, that got the highest percentage of calls. I agree. Correct. I mean, what else are you there for? We could we, at this point we could really do this with AI, but we're not trying to do that, you know, so I can name few other professions where the counting stats are the only ones that matter. Yeah, it's so true. Like, oh well, you know, there's nuance to this and no, dude, you just like messed up seventy eight percent of the time or whatever. Right. It was really, really poor. All right, next. Yeah. Uh just to reiterate, Angel Hernandez is probably the ultimate piece of shit for this entire podcast. Next is Dave Roberts. Uh Dave Roberts is the manager of the LA Dodgers, largely mismanaged the first three games of the series. He was benching his top four hitters just because of, you know, lefty righty matchup issues. Not to take anything away from Boston at all. I don't think that any collection of players from the entirety of the NL could have beaten the the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. But um, definitely not putting your best foot forward by benching a bunch of people that are your best players. Well, it felt to me like he didn't have confidence in the analytics, whatever the numbers were supposed to be telling him. If you watched Alex Cora that entire series, there was one time where he looked a little bit panicked. Aside from that, he was calm, cool, and collected, and he went by whatever the numbers told him. And the the Red Sox do not even have a left-handed reliever. That's kind of unbelievable. I know, right? It is. It's insane. Is that true? Yeah, that is true. Holy shit. I think they do in, like, the minors, obviously, but they don't have, yeah, like, whatever. they didn't have one on the, the roster. And they didn't carry one most of the year either. Ultimately, I don't know how much lefty-righty really, really matters. When you have the, the high, I wonder what the percentage of people that can switch hit is. Ooh, I'm going to put that at around 5%. You think you think that low? That low. We'll look this up. I'm going to actually write this down if I had a pen. Hmm, how do I write without a pen? Ah, well, maybe I'm a piece of shit. Maybe type? Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to interrupt this podcast to type, Justin. Okay, I've got the numbers right here. This, okay, so this is super old data, and I'll find the actual numbers for now. But just as I think this is just perspective more than anything. Uh, May of 2005. So really stale data. Uh, there were 101 switch hitters on 30 MLB teams, which is about 13.4%. I bet you it's way okay. more than that now. You think so? I think it's probably closer to 20. Mm. I'm going to I'm gonna disagree. I think okay. it's going to be less. All right. We'll get back to all. We'll, we've got notes quasi written down. Is that is that how that went for you? Yeah, <laughs> Did you write sure. those notes down? It's up in, it's up in my, my brain cage. All right. I'll actually write it down. So you're not going to remember that. I, I believe that in this world, the future, like, this is 13 years from 2005. People are much more specialized now. Hmm. And I believe that... That's a good argument. There's going to be you know, lots of guys who just smash lefties, like uh, your guy Steve Pierce. Yeah. That's his thing. That's all he does. Yeah, that's true. Mitch Moreland's the same way. Yeah, I agree. He just doesn't hit. Doesn't do it quite as effectively. <laughs> not, not nearly as well. No. Um, yeah, we should talk about Steve Pierce a little bit. He had a, a yeah, we will. We definitely will. Uh, but, um, I yeah. believe in this world of specialization, there will be less switch hitters. Okay. They're going to do uh, less things, but better. Each of those things will be done better. That makes sense. All right. Well, more research to come on that. Yeah. So Dave Roberts. I'll eat my fucking hat when I'm wrong. I've made that exclamation before. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so I've got right. the third one. How about that? Yeah. Great. Okay. So the third piece of shit for the episode 
is the Dodgers fan who stabbed the Red Sox fan five times after the Game 5 of the World Series. Oh boy, I didn't hear about this. So apparently, and I might have just buried the lead there a little bit, but that's okay. Apparently, after Game 5, Red Sox fan celebrating, Dodgers fan can't take the heat in the parking lot, stabs the guy five times. He is expected to make a full recovery, but will have a permanent uh, chip on his shoulder as if being a Boston fan wasn't enough of that. Literally a chip on his shoulder? Did did you add that color? I don't know, maybe. Then check where the the stabbings occurred. I mean, if it was the scapula, then it's certainly possible. God, that does not sound sound like fun to get stabbed in the shoulder. No, (laughs) no, not at all. Actually... Not getting stabbed at all. That's the metric for winning at life for me. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. If I can get through without getting stabbed, that's like me winning. Yeah, I think you did everything the right way. Also, I'd just like to call out that that's how I felt at every Oakland A's game. It's like, I need to get out of here because the Rangers just won and I might get stabbed. Yeah, I know we've talked about it before, but I still, will to this day, will never be able to wrap my head around the fact that someone took your hat off your head and stomped on it. It was ridiculous. They that were is... winning, too. It's not like he was mad at my <laughs> yes. team. You're an asshole. Yeah, that's just an asshole. I mean, it's not, it it doesn't matter how you stack those cards. You're an asshole for doing that no matter what happens. But like, that's even worse than just. Even his friend was like, dude, what are you doing? (laughs) Whenever the friend can't even make sense, you know, that's, that's not good. It's not okay. Fuck you, Californians. Indeed. All right. And you have the final piece of shit. Yeah. So, uh, fall back. Time zone. Every, every November you turn your clock back one hour. It's great for like two days you feel like you're getting a little extra time you get up a little earlier just because the time is actually earlier and you just feel a little more productive that is like that's great but the rest of it is terrible you get home it's 5 30 and it's fucking dark yeah that is annoying that's the winter time for you though but you know what i like to do is come home and do shit right i'm with you man i like to you know even mow my lawn after work because it's still bright Sure. And I can't do that with fallback. If it was just not fallback, I'd at least have that extra hour of daylight, even though it is winter and there's less light in winter. Fuck you, fallback. That doesn't make any sense. Boy, and I'll tell you, the other annoying thing about this whole concept to me in general is the fact that Arizona doesn't recognize daylight saving time at all, and they just switch between two time zones. That's Great. just ridiculous. We should, no, I, I disagree. I think we should all adopt that philosophy and just fuck it. Well, We're no, I, I'm fine with that if everybody would do it, but it's ridiculous that just one state does that. Well, there's got to be one state that does it, right? That's how we change. Yeah, but it hasn't there's really caught on. Be. Well, that's because nobody else gives a shit. It's just such a, a, a small issue, right? I mean, in the grand schemes of things, probably. But if so, let's think about this. Let's just imagine that there's gonna be daylight savings time forever. There's less. There's less daylight in the winter. Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. Why are we stealing stealing more of the waking hours of the rest of the population with less daylight? We should be moving it the other way. Well, it's really just robbing Peter to pay Paul. Is all it is. God damn it! That's not how that works. Everyone's up at like nine. Yeah, man. We just need to invent like the four-day work week that's like six hours long. That'd be ideal. My boss asked me the other day, he goes, is there anything I can do for you? I go, yeah, add like seven more hours every day. <laughs> well, that would just mean that you'd be working all of those, so that would suck. <laughs> he just goes, uh... Okay. <laughs> Great piece of shit, Corner, sir. You name a time frame, I'll name an asshole. Is that a fresh applause drop? It seems it sounds different than before. No, it's a, the same one. I can't imagine it's any different. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about the playoffs and everything. And I think you brought this up first of all 
uh, or a little bit ago. Well, okay, we can do this one of two ways. Do you want to go game by game and just kind of talk about generally how it went? Let's do that, and then we'll talk about like a few actual players as we go on. Sure. All right, Let's cool. Do that. So uh, game one was, so the first two games were in Boston. Game one was Sale versus Kershaw. Red Sox won that 8-4. to four. Chris Sale looked off, to say the least. Yep. He looked off most of the second half of this year, man. He's so skinny. I'm surprised he's lasted this long at all. Yeah, I think that there was definitely a more conscious effort to keep him healthier this year because of the concerns of him throwing for 300 strikeouts the year before. Right. Because he didn't come anywhere close to that this year. But I think that, I don't know if we went too far the other way on that. Yeah, it's totally possible, but you win you win that many games, you can let off the gas a little bit and give the guys the rest. Think of think if the race was close in the East. Yeah, no, that's true. But nonetheless, it was still good for him to to get a a piece of the postseason world. And I mean, at least he got to close out game five. Or yeah, he closed out game five of the World Series. So that was really awesome. cool. I like that that move. Yeah, that's really fucking awesome, especially on the heels of a great David Price outing. But we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, game two. Can we talk about the end of game five for just a second? Like the, the just the very end when yeah. Christian Vasquez wrapped his legs around Chris Sale for like way too long. Yeah, it was weird. Is that too much <laughs> or is it just me? No, it was a little bit weird. Okay, it was, good. yeah, that, that team is very quirky, but it's, it's definitely a brotherhood type mentality. Yeah, let's not say anymore. Yeah, maybe, maybe not get in trouble, not get media credentials revoked or anything like that before we get them. Because our special access is so deep. It is. It is. Hey, we don't know. We, we're not trying to shoot ourselves in the foot before we get this access. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, so Red Sox won game one. Game two, Price versus Ryu. I don't, this is where Dave Roberts really started to kind of lose me is how short of a leash he had him on. I mean, Very short. Not looking he, great. No, and I mean, he's not near the caliber of pitcher that, as David Price is, though. Um, it just depends. He's had some really good stretches during the regular season. Ryu yeah, has. He has. So I think it, it's just not not consistent enough to say that he's like wonderful. Right. I mean, David Price has obviously got the bigger body of work to show longer term success over time. Yeah, but he's just as streaky. Yeah, that's true. That's but very the, true. His average is clearly much better than Ryu's average. The thing about David Price is if his changeup isn't going like if it's not if he's not throwing his changeup well. He's just absolute dog shit. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so he so he had a 198 postseason average this year, or uh, average, uh, ERA. <laughs> and he had a, I'm looking for the full for season. You? No, uh, David Price. For the full season, he had. I'm going to guess a 3.8 or 4.1. 3.58, but a 198 in the postseason, which has never been the case for him. Yeah, he was good for him. Good oh, for him. oh, and eight in postseason starts until this this series. So yeah, I, I was glad to see him shove it up their ass. I feel like he's got a. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like he's got a level head, and I, I like that he did really well. He does, man. I think that the media tries to paint him in a bad light, but I think good. there's. We've talked about this before, probably so a little bit, but I think also there's no bigger team guy than him, and I think. I mean, that's what all of his teammates say about him, so I don't give a fuck what the media has to say about it. Yeah, and I don't care if you play video games. Pull off the steam however you want. Get your head right for the game. And right. He did the right stuff during the postseason. So right. It clearly didn't hurt him. He went 16-7 and seven on the year with a 358 ERA, threw 176 innings, and he struck out 177. That's not a bad year. 
Well, let's be clear. He had some extremely terrible outings. Correct. He, he had, had some, some real meltdowns. Yeah, he had some real stinkers, but he also had some real gems, too. And he was bailed out by the fact that Boston's offense was fucking incredible on top of that. I was about to say, he has a surrounding cast so that it didn't really matter. Yeah. And that was the thing that I worried about a little bit, and that you called me crazy for wanting them to lose a little bit because they had they hadn't gotten into spots where their bullpen was really that necessary. And that's what I was concerned about. And that was the concern going into the playoffs. But, I mean, the way that Alex Corey used all the starters in spots, it didn't even really end up mattering. It went really well. Every time that there was a call made, like Alex Cora could do no wrong. Everything no. that he did was the right move. It was crazy. That's fascinating to watch, especially for a very first-year manager. But I think that's uh, – we'll talk about some of the first-year managers here in just a second because we've got some others to talk about as far as hirings go. Without with someone who didn't have any postseason experience other than being on the bench in Houston as a bench coach, he uh, he handled it as cool as a goddamn cucumber. I'll tell you that. It was crazy how cold and calculating he was. He was just like, whatever, get the fuck out, get off the mound, dude. Yeah, like, exactly. Give me the ball. <laughs> exactly. Like, we're not chat. This is not a democracy. Like I'm looking at the da- the data. Right. Like, get, the fuck, get the fuck out of my way. Exactly. And then on top of that, it was like whenever things started to bleed even a little bit, in comes Eduardo Rodriguez or somebody like that that can just shut things down. Yeah, and so do that a couple of times. Yeah, for sure. Uh, game three was Porcello versus Walker Bueller, which that was uh, Walker Bueller one of his worst starts, I would say, in the postseason. But that game went to eighteen innings, and no thanks to Ian Kinsler. I'll say that. Hmm. Uh, they had it. I was. It was in the thirteenth inning, I believe. They Boston got up three to two, and Kinsler made a very simple error in the field that eliminated the final out that would have ended the game. And or ended the top of that inning and then come to close out the game, but instead, so that's the long the longest game in po- in postseason or World Series history. Uh, World Series history for sure. It may even be postseason. It was brutal. It was three thirty on the East Coast when it was over. I I like that that happened because it could show the team's true colors in the next game. Yeah, because they played three games within like a twenty four hours uh, time frame. Unbelievable. Yeah, and it showed too. Uh, yeah. But the Dodgers won that one three to two. Erod versus Rich Hill was game four. That was Boston won that nine to six. Rich Hill looked fine. This was another questionable Dave Roberts situation where he went seven uh, innings with one hit and still pulled him. Mm. That was odd. Not great. No. I guess I get it. Seven innings is where you'd expect someone to start to melt a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, it was coming back around to the the beginning of the order, but he, I mean, he got through there just fine. So I don't know. That was where. He was really going to have to answer some questions and didn't really seem to be able to do that very well. So it's a good it's a good decision point or like inflection point, right? It's yeah, you stick with the hot hand and go against the metrics, or do you go with the metrics and right. pull it? Do you trust the old school baseball thing, or do you go with the numbers? And Alex Cora showed you you go with the numbers. Well, I think it's a lot easier to take that approach when you know your the numbers are on your team's side. Good point. <laughs> that's so, a very good point <laughs> when you know that the numbers aren't on your team side you have to take some risks the amount of jokes that were flying around about how dave roberts just wanted the red sox to have another world series ring and celebrate with them since he won a world series ring with them in 2004 where it was just obscene how many of those things were going around it was great blah, blah, blah. oh it was so funny though it's all bullshit talk but it's just hilarious if you think about it in the grand scheme of like him <laughs> just wanting the damn thing to be over with crazy uh, and then game five was Price versus Kershaw. So you said it in the World Series watch party episode. I don't really think that it was Kershaw's fault or anything as far as how he looked in the postseason. I think Boston's offense just made a mockery of him in general. Every time. Yeah. They're just, they're just 
Pierce. But boy, you got to wonder, like, so, I mean, he just signed that three-year extension in, in LA the other day. You got to wonder, are you surprised by that, first of all? Yes, I'm very surprised. Tell me more. I think he could make a lot more money somewhere else. And, you know, just because the Dodgers went to the World Series doesn't mean that's the best team for him to be on. I mean, they just did it twice and they lost both times. So the odds of them going to another World Series are pretty slim, I would say. I know. I mean, come on. This is a shoestring team. They've always just got like these two nobodies who carried them through like Correct. the the middle quarters of the season. Yeah. And then they go trade for like a Manny Machado or somebody like that. And then it doesn't pan out. And, you know, they're going to lose Machado to the Phillies. We know this. I think that they're going to lose him to the Yankees. But you're you're under the impression that he'll sign in L.A. before he goes to the Yankees, right? Um, That is one of the major possibilities in my mind. I'm slightly shifting towards Philly. Yeah, I could see that, though. a lot of money to throw around. They might get Harper and Machado. Oh, my God. That would be something. That would be crazy. I, you have a real crowded outfielder or outfielder outfield situation there in, uh, in Philly in that case. So you have to figure yeah. out what where those pieces go. I mean, you're probably going to have to ship some guys out of town, but why wouldn't you? Yep. As long oh. as you keep uh, Reese Hopkins, Hoskins. Yeah. Bryce, Bryce Hoskins. Reese. And you've also got to, you probably got to bring in some, some pitching. So, I mean, you could ship some of those guys out of town and probably they had a really back. good, they had a really good rotation. They did, but just strengthen the bullpen a little bit more. I mean, when it really shook out, I mean, there was them in Atlanta really neck and neck to the NL East through the whole year. And then it really just kind of shook loose after the deadline. Yeah. They just melted in Atlanta, just walked across the finish line. Yep. They sure did. But um, Kershaw signing does surprise me. I don't, you know, I get why he'd want to stay. <clears throat> it's kind of where he's probably made his home. However, I don't know. I just feel like he could do more. Him coming back to Texas was a real possibility in my mind. So now that that dream's crushed, I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, I get it. And I I could see that. Uh, I could see why you'd want to do that. I don't really know what kind of guy he is. Is it like a, I want to win a ring guy? I mean, you always want to win yeah. a ring, right? But like, you know what I mean? He's a real gunner. But some, they're definitely, base, I mean, I'd say in baseball more more times than not, there are guys that, definitely should have a ring that don't and there are guys that that's just not nearly as important to them right and it's not um like basketball where you have to have a ring to prove your worth right like you can be excellent and be be on shitty teams forever like nolan ryan right yeah that's a great example i don't think he has any world series i don't think that he does either certainly wasn't with texas i know that certainly wasn't with either of the texas teams no but yeah, man. So it was a it was a good World Series overall. I think that the ratings were down on it. I think a lot of people were kind of bored by it. I don't I wonder why that is. Because Boston. I mean, there was no chance for LA to win that from the outset. Of yeah, the that's entire true. Thing. There was no way that they were going to win, and everybody knew it. That's very true. There was no even like degree of maybe. I don't think right. anybody ever thought that. Well, whenever they went up against like it was like game for the ALCS or game three or something like that. They went up against the Patriots in like Monday night football and just got obliterated in the new England ratings. I was surprised by that, but also not really at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. New England, real football town. Indeed. All right. Let's chat about some of the hirings around baseball. So these are kind of your non world series playoff teams that have hired new managers. I found, I did a little bit of digging into some of these guys. So I've got a, I got four of these to announce and then we're going to talk real quick about the Mets GM hire. Yeah, you'll have to walk me through all this cuz I'm not, not a problem. Not a problem. Um so the Mets, we'll start there because Gross. why not kick this off that way? 
Uh, you're familiar with the the Mets GM situation with Sandy Alderson being ill and being out and all that, right? Yeah. All right. So obviously they, I think that they really debated on whether they needed to hire a new GM, and finally the Wilpons kind of made the right decision to do that, and they hired. So they had a lot of good candidates. They actually had the opportunity to hire the first female uh, GM in baseball, which they had the opportunity to do that. They turned that down. They turned down several other good candidates for this job, and they hired an agent who represents like three quarters of the players on the team. What? Yeah. They hired this guy, Brody Van Wagner or whatever the hell his name is. And this dude represents like Cespedes, Thor, you know, like like a lot of their just big name players. They hired a goddamn agent for their GM job. I, uh, but why? I I don't have no idea. That seems like a, a conflict of interest on a, on a great number of, like, possibly all the levels that there are for that interaction. Correct. I don't know how they deal with that, first of all. And how is he qualified to be a GM? I mean, you and I run a fantasy baseball team. Does that qualify us? Because it sure, sure as hell sounds like it. Well, I think I know more about more players than this guy. He knows his book of business, and that's about it. Right. That's his job to know, or was his job, I guess. But now he's a, a general manager of a baseball team. Very okay. strange, though. So what a, I mean, what... How, I have, does he, how does he reconcile the needs of the team in his organization with the needs of the players that he represents that affect him financially? I would think that he would have to release like or turn that yeah. over to a to somebody else. He would have yeah. to. I would have I would have to think that's the case. Yeah. So that I mean that that in and of itself. We need to get James from Middletown on here to maybe shed some some logic. He, there is no logic to this move. Let me just tell you. Oh. Um, How have I not read about this? That's crazy. Dude, it's insane. It really is. It's a classic Wilpon move. I know that. What the fuck? I mean, this is the same. We won't go into that. We won't go down that hole. It's not It's not worth going down. It's just depressing no matter what. Jimmy, but, we need you on the pod. This is yes. bullshit. We'll, we'll get him on. We'll get him on. He's going to come on and, and do the... Uh, we're going to talk about all of our picks and everything here pretty soon for oh the season. All right. Well, that's a ridiculous selection. Indeed. Holy uh, shit. The Texas Rangers have hired Chris Woodward. Yeah, I still haven't looked this guy up. What does that even mean? So he is the third base coach for the Dodgers. Uh, Younger dude, very analytically minded, obviously. I mean, they're just kind of going with the same trend that's been going. And I mean, the way I look at it is you got rid of Bannister. That was probably the wrong move. But at this point, you got to move on from that and think, okay, where are we headed next? And maybe this guy's an up-and-comer, and maybe he's not. But with where they're at right now, that's probably not too much of a concern, I wouldn't think, right? Yeah, I guess it's not it's not like we're winning any games this last season. It can only get better. Right. That's what I'm saying. And so I mean, if you bring in a guy that can maybe communicate, I I think that was the biggest knock on Banny was that the communication was poor. Got and it. so I think if you bring in a guy that can communicate with the younger guys that can, you know, start to really build a culture there, maybe you're looking at something a little bit more substantive. But Okay. I mean, that that's my my guess as to where their head is at. You know, I really like Bannister. I think he got a bad rap. Yeah. And was kind of a scapegoat this last season. But I can't deny that he wasn't analytical, and that is the way to win games. So good news, bad news. I guess tactically I didn't like it because it was just kind of a shitty way to go about it. Like, oh, we didn't like the results. Let's fire the guy. Right. Um, but if it's going to help win and this guy is any good, I'll, I'll, I'm certainly willing to give it a shot. That couldn't be any worse. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. And I think you've got to look at it from a standpoint of somebody who's going to look at numbers a little bit more closely and that's going to really think through how to be competitive in this league because it's it's changed so much. And 
if you have a young guy that can do that, that's really helpful. So all these these hires here actually kind of have that commonality within them. So you don't hear of anybody of like a Ron Garden hire, not to single him out because he's not the only one by any means, but like a John Farrell or like a right. Joe Girardi type of hire. None of these guys are those hires. Now, yep. none of these teams are, well, debatable, but none of these teams are really those big market type jobs either, like a Yankees or something either. So I don't know. Sure. I mean, if you look at the talent on the AL West teams, you got to think you got to do, you have, if you're the Rangers, you have to do a lot of different things to be even slightly competitive. Dude, All yeah. of those teams at the start of the season, except for the Rangers, um, well, and the A's actually didn't look dangerous at all. Right. And four, four of them at varying points were extremely dangerous. Right. I, I don't know. It just seems like it's something you can't really keep ignoring. It's not just going to go away. Yeah. Maybe they're maybe they're gearing up for you know the revamp of the entire org with the new stadium and everything and who knows I don't I don't know anything about the guy maybe it's a, a wonderful move and it's just kind of TBD. It seems very lackluster. It doesn't seem like a very like it's not a, a move that makes waves. But then not all of them are. AJ Hinch was that way. It's true. So I uh, yeah I don't <laughs> I think Hinch is a little overrated. Yeah I agree with you, but I think that I mean he's still a I think he's still a good manager. He has the the attention of the team. And if the Astros would have been fully healthy, we probably would have been talking about a very different... We could have been talking about a different uh, outcome in the World Series. It would have been more of a butthole clincher. I know that. I don't don't think so. I think the Red Sox... Yeah. Yeah. Well, but like I said, I mean, there were just a lot of... You could tell that the Astros were banged up, and that's what cut to the heart of them. So It's true. I called them being the better regular season team. You did. Clearly, that wasn't... Well, I mean, they were only five wins less than Boston at the end of the day. So, I mean, that's not too far off of an outlandish statement, I don't think. Well, then Boston Boston crushed them. Well, yeah, but, I mean, Altuve was limping around with a with barely half a leg. So. Yeah, you can't, you can't just lean on this one small man to do all the things. Well, no, and they never have been able to. But, I mean, uh, I mean it, it wasn't just him. It was other guys, too. Anyway, all right, so the next one is the Reds hired David Bell, former Giants and Mariners infielder, to be their coach. Uh, gave him a two-year contract, which I thought was interesting. No, I'm sorry. It was three. Take that back. Uh, he was the Cardinals bench coach from 2012 to 2014 and was the Giants VP of player personnel last year. So okay. that's probably not a too bad of a hire. So that's an actual resume of someone who deserves to be a Giants. Correct. Not an uh, uh, agent. Who happens? And we're talking play. about a manager, not even a GM. Oh, just the manager. Yeah, sorry. this is just the manager. Sorry. No, my mistake. Yeah, but uh, regardless, it doesn't matter. That's still a, that's a guy that has a resume. He's played the game. He's managed operations. Yeah, he's probably more qualified to be the GM than this Brody dude. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Mets are just really gearing up for another meltdown. I know, they always do. The Twins hired Rocco Baldelli, youngest manager in MLB history, 37 years old, hired him away from the Rays. These last two were actually hired away from the Rays. Ooh, does that mean we're going to see less cool baseball come out of the Rays org? I don't think so. I think we're probably going to see more cool baseball coming out of the Rays organization, is my guess. Um, I like how we had announcers saying the word opening pitcher. I know, right? (laughs) I love it. Something's got to change. I just, I need a little bit of change, not a ton. I'm with you, man. That sort of, like, innovation, love it. Yeah, and I mean, it's, I think it's going to be widespread next year. That's typically how the, it's just, it's exactly like what happened with the shift. Whenever Joe Madden started leading into the shift big time, the next year it just exploded. See more openers. But yeah, youngest manager in MLB history, 37 years old. Taken uh, sixth overall in June 2000 by the Rays. Uh, spent 18 of his 19 years in baseball with the Rays. 
and has had various positions throughout the minors and everything. Uh, was the first base coach for the Rays from uh, 2015 to 17, and last year was there. So I'd never heard of this. I, I'm assuming this is like a, a shift thing, but the Rays major league field coordinator, I'd imagine that's just like working with the outfielders, right? Sure. That sounds like just like a made-up name. I mean, you think about <clears throat> the the rate of play in a baseball game to the fan's eye is not that great. But if you're telling your pitcher to throw a curveball to a guy who hits curveballs a certain way, you might have to move the outfield. That could be a guy's full-time job to right. just tell infielders and outfielders where to be on a pitch-by-pitch basis. Honestly, that's probably all he does. So I thought that was interesting. I've never heard of it referred to as that, but I mean, I'm not surprised by that. I knew there was yeah. somebody that was doing that. Very cool. Yeah, so good for him. And then finally, the Blue Jays hired Charlie Montoyo. He was the Rays bench coach. So that was the second hiring away from the Rays organization. Been with the Rays since his, the inaugural season in 1998, which I thought was cool. You never see that much. Oh. Uh, also, you don't see that much whenever someone's been with an organization for 18 years and then jumps across the division to another team to be the manager. But good for him. He was the Rays bench coach last year. Uh, he, yeah, he had man- many managerial posts throughout uh, the minors as well, just like uh, Rocco did. Dude, I love the name Rocco. That's badass. Yeah, it's pretty good. But uh, yeah, brought up to be the third base coach in for the Rays in 2015, the bench coach after that. And so sounds like he was just kind of waiting for his next gig. And uh, yeah, I think that's not a bad hire for the for the Blue Jays as well. These are all these young bucks, man. That's all it is. Love it. What do you think happens to um, Bannister? I think that he's going to be out for a little while until the league's ready to hire non-analytic, straight, like straight analytic guys again. Can I, can I tell you why I jumped back to Bannister? Please. So you, we were talking about the Blue Jays just now. That made me think of Josh Donaldson. And then there is a farm like a quarter of a mile away called the Donaldson Bannister Farm. Are you shitting me? I'm not shitting you. So that's how I got back to Bannister. That was smooth, though. It was a nice like round transition. But without that one like ace card, that transition makes no sense. No, not at all. Oh, boy. Oh, man. All right. So that is what has been uh, all the hirings around baseball. I think everybody. So we got the winter meetings coming up here in a couple. I think it's like next week. Yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty calm market initially, given that, especially for starting pitching, given that Clayton Kershaw just re-signed with the Dodgers. Yeah, that's definitely odd. Yeah. Well, that'll definitely get the winter meeting started out the right way. That's for sure. Yeah. We would like to remind everyone to check out our website, www.sensiblyloud.com. We'd like to remind everyone to follow us on social media at OutfielderPod for the Instagram and Twitter, the Outfielder Podcast on Facebook, and make sure to follow our parent company, Sensibly Loud Media, on Facebook as well. We are on the Apple iTunes Store. We are on the Google Play Store. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Share it out. We would like to thank everyone for tuning in for episode 53 of the Outfielder Podcast. We would like to thank all of our fans, Sensibly Loud Media, our sponsors, and those with the sharp eye to keep the runners close. Grounds crew, please keep patrolling that outfield. Big ups to Kevin Towers. Don't text and drive. And we'll see you right back here next time on the Outfielder Podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah.